Welcome to The City Podcast, a ministry of Ambassadors Church in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website at wearethecity.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you are blessed by today's word. Christ is able to go through locked doors to get to doubtful people, and that Jesus uh, needs no explanation. Jesus explains himself. He proves himself. And, and, and so this morning, actually last week, we talked about Peter. And how Peter had denied Jesus, not once or twice, but three times. And for every time that Peter denied Jesus, Jesus gave Peter three times to to restate his love uh, for Christ. And and we talked about the fact that Jesus didn't restart Peter, Jesus reinstated Peter. There's a difference between restarting and reinstating. When you reinstate someone, it's as if that person had never left. Have you ever had that friend who you haven't seen each other since junior high, and then you see it run into each other, and it's as if no time at all had ever passed? That's the way it was with Jesus and Peter. You know what? Things had gone down the week prior, but Jesus still loved Peter, and deep down, Peter still loved Jesus. Have, Have you enjoyed this series so far? I pray that you've gotten something out of it. If you've missed any of the parts, feel free to check out the City Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. All three parts are there. And today is the very last one. We're talking about the life of Paul. I want you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. And for those of you that know your your Bible, you know that Paul actually lived after, well, he came to Christ after the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so this is the only person that we're going to talk about that didn't have a bodily experience with Christ, a physical experience with Christ, but yet we see that his life was radically transformed by the risen Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse, we're going to kind of have a lengthy reading this morning, so buckle up, verses 1 through 18. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found anybody belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city. Shout out. And you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. So Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus whose name was Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man named, man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he had a vision, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many stories about this man, how evil, he, how evil he is, and how much he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all of them who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings of, of the children of Israel. 
for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and eating food, he was strengthened. Goodness gracious, that's a long passage. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, Father, for this morning. Uh, and I pray that uh, as we go throughout this beautiful Sunday, um, we ask that we would be changed by your word. Holy Spirit, we are desperate for you. We need you. We can't do this thing without you. And so we pray that you would come and speak to us and teach us in ways unsearchable, in ways unknowable to human minds. Oh God, we pray for City Night tonight. We're asking God that lives would be saved, that people rededicate their lives to Jesus. And that salvation will come to many homes. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in this church. We bless each and every person who is in this house this morning. We ask that this word would be a word in season for all of us. And we thank you, oh God, for the 80 degree weather coming on Thursday. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, who's going to the beach on Thursday? Work from the beach. Um, that was a very long passage that I read. My mouth is super dry. But we're going to press on. Um, and, have you ever, and, and I've talked to you about this, this, uh, this experience of mine. For, for many of you, yeah, I'll take a water. That'd be nice. Mom's with the, with the clutch waters. Um, have you ever, what was I saying? Have you ever applied for a job? <laughs> All right. I, I was expecting a, okay. So, um, so. For those of you that know me, you, you know what kind of happened in my life uh, where I was teaching high school for a couple years, and, uh, and I was engaged to be married, and then I was set to be married in September of 2015. This year will be three years, actually. This fall will be three years, and uh, time's flying, and, uh, and, and I lost my job in June of 2015, and I was going to be married in September of 2015. And so uh, back in the day, if you wanted to find a new job, you had to, like, get out and, and, and go places, right? You had to, like, knock on doors and take resumes and, and do all that. But nowadays, we have, like, Indeed and uh, CareerBuilder and Monster and uh, Craigslist. And, you, have, you know, you just have multiple avenues to get to a job. And so day and night, I was always on, like, Indeed was, like, my go-to spot. I've told you all, like, this was, like, my home screen on my, on, my, on my Safari app. Like, this was, like, the place that I go to. First thing in the morning, I'm checking jobs. Like, I'm desperate. Like, you're, you're applying for anything at that point. Have you ever just applied for stuff that you know you're not qualified for, but you're like, you know what, God, if you, if you desire, you will make it happen. Like, you're looking through the qualifications, like, proficient in Excel, and you're like, I'll figure it out if they give me the job, right? You know, you haven't touched Excel since third grade computer class, but superior interpersonal skills needed. Meanwhile, you hate working with people, but you're like, I'll just suck it up and, and do it, right? Um, you, Ten years of experience. This is your first job, but you're just like, whatever, Lord. If, if this happens, it happens, and you're, you're just desperate. You're applying for anything that says easy apply, right? Because easy apply is the way to go. 
Easy Apply is this little orange button that you don't need to add anything else. You just click it, and it says application sent. I, I kid you not, I went back through my emails this week because I have a, a jobs folder. I don't know why I haven't deleted this already, but I have a jobs folder with all my rejections. Uh, I have, <laughs> kid you not, I have 140 emails in a folder on my computer of rejections. But Jesus, no, I'm just playing. No, but 140 different emails of like, thank you for applying and blah, blah, blah. Now, like, you know what? In order to get a job, you need to be qualified for the job. Like, being qualified is like the number one thing. If you don't have what it takes, you're not going to get the position that you seek, right? And so um, the way it happens these days, for those of you that haven't applied to jobs in many years, and you just kind of held on to the same job. This is the way it's working for millennials. Let me tell you how it's working for millennials, right? We apply for jobs and we wait 10 months to hear back. <laughs> 10 months. You apply with no, no guarantee, that, and then they'll, they'll email you 10 months later. You've already like been broke, you're, you're already eaten dust by this point, and they're like, oh, thank you for your application. Despite your superior qualifications and the fact that you are the most powerful, awesome person in the face of the planet, we still don't want you. So I got an email that I got back in, this is July 10th, 2015. I was going to be married September 26th, 2015. Dear Shane, thank you so much for your interest in the health equity zone coordinator position. <laughs> I have absolutely no idea what that is. Health equity zone coordinator position. I have no idea about health, clearly. I have no idea about equity. Zones, what zone? Position. At the PCF development. No idea. <laughs> I'm not going to read the name of this guy because if, if you, some of y'all know him, then th that'll be awkward. Here in Pawtucket. I regret to inform you that you were not selected, not the selected candidate for the position. My apologies for the delay in the announcement. I had applied back in like April. We had a lengthy pool of qualified applicants, meaning we had a lengthy pool of qualified applicants, meaning what I read was you aren't one of them. <laughs> That's what I read. I read between the lines. Best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you again for your interest. Sincerely, so-and-so. And you know what? Every time I got one of those emails, I was just like, you know what, Jesus, what is going on? I know I wasn't qualified for health equity zone position, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, theology degree, health equity, I don't know, no idea. But you know what? I was just kind of going to take a shot in the dark. And if you've ever been there, you know how it feels to get that email. Thank you for your interest, but you're not qualified. Now imagine this, right? There's an open position at Rhode Island Hospital for lead pediatric surgeon. Shane Lima, in need of a job, applies for lead pediatric surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital. And I get an email back saying, despite the fact that you're unqualified, we have selected you for the position of lead pediatric surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital. Congratulations. Pressure's on. I walk in there. Day one, 
where do we cut? Like, I don't, I don't even know. What we used to cut? I, no, no idea. But can I get spiritual real fast? Like, so fast your head will spin. I'm more qualified to be lead pediatric surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital than I am to be a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have a happy Sunday, everybody. I'm more qualified to be lead pediatric surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital with zero experience and zero qualifications than I am to ever stand on any platform and tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm more qualified to do surgeon, surgery on your children than I am to stand here and preach the gospel. And you're like, what in the world? What did he eat, what did he eat this morning? Kachup. <laughs> <laughs> Because when I read the Bible, when it talks about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what it's basically saying is that none of us are qualified. None of us are qualified of being called sons and daughters of God. None of us are qualified to be used by Jesus in any way. I'm telling you, I have more of a shot at getting a job at Rhode Island Hospital as lead pediatric surgeon than I am to ever by my own merits do anything for God because I am not worthy that's exactly what's happening in Acts chapter 9 with Saul who God's about to choose somebody to be the one who's going to take the gospel to the Gentiles now if you're going to search for a pool of through a pool of candidates to be the one who's going to take the gospel and plant churches out throughout all of Europe and Asia and be the one who would write the majority of the New Testament. If you're going to choose a qualified person, I'd be like, look, you raised up 12 leaders during three years. Choose one of them. Thaddeus didn't do anything during three years. Tap Thaddeus. Half of y'all haven't even heard of Thaddeus. He was one of the 12. What was Thaddeus up to? I'd be like, Thaddeus, you know what? You've slept long enough. Time to go plant churches. I'd choose Thaddeus. Shoot, I'd choose Zacchaeus, the wee little man. Be like, Zacchaeus, you know what? You're going to go and be a spiritual giant. And, and I just tap him on the shoulder. I, you know what? I would choose the little boy who we stole his lunch to feed 5,000. I'd be like, you know what, little boy? We, we messed you up that day. We're going to exalt you to this position. You're going to go be the planter of churches. You're going to write the New Testament. And you're going to be known. I would choose anybody that was around you. I would choose, like, mother of Christ. She's qualified. Mother of our Lord. Who, who better than to be the, you were the virgin that gave birth to, the, to God. Like, you're qualified. You can choose anybody. Literally, drip, pick a name out of the hat. One of the ten lepers, here's an idea. Let's choose Lazarus. The guy came back from the dead. What a story. Choose Lazarus. All of these people are qualified, right? And so God's about to choose who he's going to have plant churches throughout all of Europe and Asia, write the New Testament, and be the one who's known as like the face of Christianity after our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he taps on the shoulder, Saul. Saul, the guy who was killing Christians. The guy who, this is literally what's happening in chapter 9. He's on his way to Damascus to go arrest Christians. The chapter before, he oversaw the stoning of Stephen the first martyr in Christianity. 
It says, and then Stephen was stoned, and then the next verse says this, and Saul was watching approvingly. And then it goes on to the next chapter as if that's normal. And then the next chapter comes along. God's about to choose somebody that he's going to use, and Saul is the one that's chosen? Like, hello, God. I am more qualified to be the lead surgeon at Rhode Island Hospital than Saul is qualified to be a church planter. I'm telling you, this makes absolutely zero sense. And so Saul is on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus to go kill more Christians because that was like his hobby. Crazy dude. And, and, and all of a sudden, a light comes out of heaven. A voice coming from heaven says, Saul, Saul. And I can just imagine like this thundering voice out of heaven. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is the voice of Jesus. All of a sudden, Saul gets all humble, right? Oh, Lord, who are you? He's on his way to go massacre the believers of Christ. He's all of a sudden getting all humble. And, and, and Jesus says, out of the skies, it's Jesus, the one that you're killing. Okay, he gets up, he's blinded. Meanwhile, different scene, there's this dude named Ananias. Ananias is the most underrated, underappreciated person in the Old Testament. This guy was the man. Without, without Ananias, there is no Paul. If, here's something, ooh, this is a good word right here. A lot of times, God will magnify somebody, but use somebody else to, to bring about the process that he wants to do in somebody else's life that's going to be seen. For every person that is seen, there are some unseen people that served a pivotal role. A lot of people are platform, but they forget the people off the platform that were actually the ones that elevated that person to the platform. And so Paul was the one that was known, but Ananias is the one who anointed Paul to be what Paul was. So that's a, that's a word for another, next Sunday. Um, but, but Ananias is the underappreciated man of the New Testament. And, and God is talking to Ananias uh, at the same time that God is talking to, to Saul. And Ananias is like, God, look, I know that you're a gracious God and all, but your grace has gone too far this time. Like, we're going to choose somebody to be the, 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 like, the dude who's going to take this new faith to the Gentiles? How are you going to choose? Like, did you know, God? You know when we start trying to tell God what people are about to do? Did you know, God, that, that he came actually here to kill all of us? Like, this is not the guy that you want to choose. And God responds to Ananias and says this. He is the one I have chosen. It, it doesn't matter if, if people don't choose Saul. God chose Saul. It, it doesn't matter if people approve of Saul. God approved of Saul. So something's happening in Ananias' mind where it's like, okay, he's not qualified, but because you've called him, he's qualified. That's a word. He's not qualified. We agree on that, but because you've called him, he's qualified. And so, right, Paul's now blind for three days. Paul comes over to this other dude's house. Ananias now goes to that other dude's house, and they're going to have a conversation, and Ananias is going to lay hands on Saul, who's going to be turned to Paul, and because uh, Jesus always changes things on people like that. And so Ananias lays hands on Paul, and now all of a sudden, Paul's like a radical believer, baptized, in the Holy Spirit, he's now going to go out and proclaim the gospel to the Gentiles. And I'm over here reading chapter 9 like, wow, that changed pretty fast. 
Chapter 8, he's overseeing the martyrdom of Christians. Chapter 9, he's a church planter. What happened in between? This encounter with Jesus Christ, this, this selection by God to be the one that God would use to take the gospel to the Gentiles. This morning, I want to give you a reminder that if you are called, you are called. And that may not sound very deep for you this morning, but I want to remind you of this because when you think about it, it's powerful and it'll change your life. When you're called, you're called, no matter what. God foreknew that Saul would be the one that he wanted to use. Hold on. God for what? God foreknew. What that means is he, he, even knowing what Saul would do, God chose Saul. He chose what? He chose Saul. And that applies to you because even knowing the kind of person you would be. He chose you. There's these crazy words in the New Testament called predestination. Everybody gets all freaked out about this word because it's like, hold on, how free are we if God chose us first? Let me tell you something. I don't get it either. But you know what I do get is that God chooses people that he wants to use. And God does what God wants. Because you know what? God's God. And so even if everybody and their mother said that Saul's not qualified, it didn't matter. Because none of those people were the ones to select the candidate. It's like somebody who's in an entry-level position trying to act like a hiring manager. Hold on. You don't make much money. You don't have any say in this. I'm the one that chooses because I'm the one that got the money to give. Because the one who's in charge is the one who selects the qualified candidate. It doesn't matter if that person's not qualified. They're qualified if I say they're qualified. Is this, is this too deep for 9.50? God chose him. And in the same manner that God chose Saul, God chose you. God chose you. Hold on, me? Me, sinful me? God chose you. And when God chooses you, God qualifies you. Meaning, he gives you whatever is needed for the task that he has called you to do. Hold on, I don't have what it takes. Fact is, none of us have what it takes. But still, despite the fact that we lack, we serve a God that has no lack. And when he, call, when he calls us, he qualifies us. I mean, this is even more radical than me being chosen as lead surgeon. This is about people who have absolutely no business having a relationship with God being called to carry out the work of God. This makes absolutely no sense. But when God calls somebody, he qualifies that person. I, I think about how I came into ministry, and I came into ministry by accident. Not by accident, but by purposeful design. But to me, it felt like an accident. It didn't feel like it was, like people would ask, how did you get your call? I really didn't. And you're like, whoa, what? What I mean by that is this. It sort of just unfolded. And then there was a point where I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm called. It wasn't a day. It wasn't like Saul over here in the shining light voice of Jesus. It was just as I sought him, he unfolded in my life what his will was. And now I look back at it, and I can see it as the call. And I wasn't qualified for the call. 
My qualifications couldn't be that I, oh, I'm a pastor's son, so you might as well be a pastor. And my grandfather's a pastor, so you might as well be a pastor. And my great-grandfather's a pastor, so I might as well be a pastor. And my great-great-grandfather was a pastor, so I might as well be a pastor. And I'm over here foolishly thinking that I was going to be a journalist. But when God calls you, he qualifies you for the call. When God taps you on the shoulder, there is no other option but to serve. And let me tell you something, you don't have to, you get to. You don't have to do what God calls you to do. You have the honor and the privilege and the pleasure of doing what God has called you. Because there is no higher, more noble calling than to do exactly what God taps you on the shoulder to do. You are called. Called to do what? Called to do what? Called to make disciples. And that looks a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, but that's all of our calling. We are all called to go and to make disciples. You're called, you're qualified. And what qualifies us is not a what. What qualifies us? A degree, a, a thing, a this, a number of years in the church. That's not what qualifies. There's not a what that qualifies us. There's a who that qualifies us. There's not a what that qualifies us. And, and the law says you need to do this, this, and that for you to be qualified. That's a what that qualifies you. Meaning, and we kind of bring this into church culture sometimes, and I'm, and, and, and I'm just praying that, that has no root or space here because I, I really am not for, you know, seniority. Ranks. Like as if this is some military thing. Cadet and general and commandeer and whatever, all those military titles. No, you know what? We're followers of Jesus Christ. And we're just called to make disciples. And, 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 and so there's this thing where, you know what, sometimes we, we kind of rank each other by how much we've done or how long we've been here. Well, well they've, they showed up last week. Who are they to be doing that? Well, who are you to be complaining? You're not doing much. Too hard for 959. There's just this, this thing where we end up ranking. And, and here's the thing. There is no what that qualifies any of us. There is only a who that qualifies us. And this who is the name of Jesus Christ. You know what? Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That puts us all on the same playing field. It says that we are all unqualified from ever being used. But then Romans 6.23 says that uh, the wages of sin is death. So, okay, we've all sinned. Now we're all dying. Things are going from bad to worse. But that verse continues by saying, but the gift of God, the eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then Romans 10, 9 just kind of closes this off by saying that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. That's the gospel in three simple steps. We were all sinners. None of us deserve life. We all deserve death. But because of Jesus, we have been given life. And so it's not what we can do to qualify ourselves. It's what Jesus has done for us that qualifies us. And he calls us by name and he calls us sons and daughters. And it's not because of anything righteous that you could do. That's what Titus 3, 5 says. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but because of the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. You see when we're called, it's not about what we have done, how impressive we are in the eyes of God. None of you are impressive. I'm not impressive. Our most righteous acts are still like red sins, but God has washed us as white as snow. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about what qualifies us. It's about who who qualifies us? Because if he calls us, he qualifies us. It's all about Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. So that old system of law and doing and, and being goes out the window and, and we start clinging to who Jesus is and what he has done because he didn't come to abolish that law. He came to fulfill it because he's the only one that can keep every law and still be holy. You're called. You're qualified for this. And you're not qualified based on your own merit. Perfect church attendance. You have every song in the worship set memorized. You read your Bible seven days a week. You fasted for however long. None of that qualifies us. That's fruit that comes after. What qualifies us is Jesus. What qualifies us is the cross. And church, whenever we start taking our sight off of Jesus and start putting it back on ourselves, we're falling away from the true gospel. And the true gospel is that none of us were worthy. None of us were qualified. But because of love, God handpicked us. My dad got a text message yesterday from a, a woman in our church. And we asked permission. Yes, bless you. We asked permission to read it because I was just moved by this woman's testimony. This woman has cancer. She, she's in our, our Portuguese service. And if you just saw her, you would never say that she's going through what she's going through, which blows my mind. She's here Sunday in, Sunday out, hands raised, body riddled with cancer. That is powerful. But she said this yesterday. Sent this to my dad. My dad shared it with me. I asked permission for me to share this morning. Happy Saturday, Pastor Eliseo. Everybody is good. Thanks for asking. My health is progressing well, and the results are showing decreasing of my glioma thanks to the Almighty Lord. I have a story to share with you from yesterday. I was in Somerville in a medical building waiting for a meeting with the CEO MD when I saw a woman in her 50s crying constantly. I get up out of my chair, and I sit close to her asking if she needs anything. She promptly answered, no, nobody can help me. Nobody lives with me because I'm worthless. I, I said, Jesus loves you, and I love you. She looked at me, spit on my clothes, and said, your Jesus doesn't care about me. Otherwise, he would never let my husband go with another woman. I cleaned myself and said to her, if our Jesus let that happen was because your husband was worthless and you deserve better. My Jesus is your Jesus, and he loves you so much, he's telling me to give you a hug of love right now. So I got closer to her and hugged her. She started crying and again and asked me for forgiveness for what she had just done to me. I just replied, I don't have anything to forgive you for because I'm a sinner just like you. And I understand what you're going through. I asked her, where do you live? She answered, Cambridge. I told her, Jesus is waiting for you at 52 Russell Street in Cambridge this Friday at 8 o'clock. I wrote the address on the back of my business card and gave it to her. I had to go inside right after, and when I got out, she wasn't there anymore. Her name is Sherry, and I hope she shows up sooner or later. That's my real story. 
I was driving home and I asked myself why I had to get up and go to her and go through all of that. And the answer to myself was God's plans and God's business, as Pastor Carol mentioned last Sunday. Have a blessed Saturday, and I'll see you tomorrow. And I'm just reminded of this, that we're called to have those kind of conversations. A lot of times we'll throw, throw out this word called, and we're kind of confused as to what called means. And what we're called to do is simply share with people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overthink it. For some of us, this, this calling looks differently. Maybe platform ministry or evangelism. But at the end of it, when you boil down our calling, our calling is just to be a faithful witness to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, you're not qualified. I'm not qualified, but I am called. I'm not qualified because of what I have done. I'm qualified because of what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. This morning, all of us here in this room are on the same playing field. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of Jesus, because of him, we are raised from death to life. We are raised from sin into righteousness. We are saved from our former self into a new life in Christ. And your calling is to spread that gospel to whoever, whoever you see. Could you, could you stand with me this morning? I, I want to pray for you. I want to take a minute to pray for some people who maybe don't feel qualified. You've been battling with not feeling worthy or not feeling like you're enough. And because you've felt this way for so long, you've tried to outperform or outdo yourself. And at this point, you may be feeling spiritually, emotionally exhausted. Could you just come forward? I want to pray for you this morning. I'm not praying that you would kind of just have a change of mind. I'm praying that Jesus would remind you how loved you are this morning. To remind you that you are beyond qualified. That you are beyond qualified. Not because of who you are or what you've done. But because of who Jesus is and what he has done for you. I believe this morning, dead things will come back to life. Because of Jesus, who is here and he's speaking to people. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. People are coming from back to front. Church, could you pray for these that are here and pray for your neighbors and pray for our brothers and sisters that are at this altar. We're just asking that we be reminded of this simple gospel message that in Christ we are called and we are qualified. Jesus, I thank you today, Father, for the power of the gospel that your word never returns void. And, and Father, this morning I'm believing that a word of life 
was deposited, oh God, in, in, in several people's hearts, Lord. Father, in a culture that maybe acts like we need to outperform or outdo or, or keep uh, trying our best to get to God, we are reminded that the gospel is all about God coming to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, I'm praying, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would remind these people that have come forward, God, that they are, don't have to perform in order to be qualified. Father God, that we don't have to be something we're not, oh Lord, but that in Christ we were chosen, we were, uh, we were known, and we were called by name. And Father, you have called us from death to life, and, and it is not a question of what qualifies us. It is a matter of who qualifies us, and that who is the person and the Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And this morning, we're praying that the gospel will not return void, but as we respond affirmatively to this calling, we would go and make disciples, oh God, in our workplace and in our homes, oh God, and in the public square. We pray, oh God, that this church would be a church of disciple makers, oh God. Father, that we would be those who go and proclaim and bear witness to the good news that Jesus so loved us that he gave himself for us. God, I praise you that it's not about a resume that qualifies us. It's not about experience that qualifies us. It's not about adhering to the law perfectly that qualifies us. If we simply confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We love you this morning for this good news. It's great news. It's news that changes everything. And we pray, oh God, that as we leave this place, we leave here on mission, on mission and on call, oh God, to spread the gospel to the four corners of this world. We love you. We glorify you. You have been so, so good to us. It's in Jesus' name we give to you this service, and we ask for your blessing over your people. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Can you hug five or six people around you? Remind that they are called, that they are qualified.